As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Kids. Hello and welcome to another edition of Extra Connections. I'm James Lott Jr. We're continuing the talks on race and race relations mm -hmm. and also racial justice on this channel. Um, this time we're back to the white folks again. That's what we're doing. It was the black folks last couple of weeks. We're back to the white folks. One of my favorite white folks. I'm saying that with tongue in cheek being funny, of course. I would never just call him that. He's my friend. His book, which what we're going to talk about is how to get white folks there. Anyone know what there is? Watch the show. Um, but his book is called, oh, I'll make sure, I want to make sure everybody can see this. A White Guy Confronting Racism, The Invitation to Reflect and Act. Jared Carroll's back. Hello, Jared. James. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. Uh, I feel like we're old pals, even though we've never actually met each other in person. Isn't that funny? I know. I met, but um, someday, someday though, someday. Well, well, we will. I mean, I, I, I get up there. What's funny is just I, I, I'm starting to meet a few people, even the ones in LA where I've done stuff with them for a whole year. And we're finally getting together in person, and it's it's strange. You're like, but I know you, but I don't. I know you, but I, like, it's like you know, it's weird. Weird. Well, well, funny story on that. There's this woman uh, who I've been connected with on LinkedIn for probably probably a year and a half or so. And we've just, you know, messaged each other on each other's posts and stuff. So I kind of, you know, I've seen her a few times. And then uh, she started leaving me LinkedIn voice messages. Oh, wow. And so, which was cool. Like, you know, and like, I don't have LinkedIn on my phone, so I couldn't return. So I'm typing away. And then she leaves a voice message. We're chatting and stuff. And then I actually got on the phone with her because I actually hired her as a coach uh, back in the fall for about six sessions. And I, the first time I actually talked to her live on a Zoom call, I'm like, wait a second, I already feel like I know you. I'm like, oh wait, that's because you've been leaving me like a hundred voice messages. It's like, oh yeah, so it's kind of cool. This is a, <laughs> such an interesting time period for communication because of Zooms and Microsoft Teams and voices and, and emails like that. The last two years, literally, because they'll be coming up soon, last two years, we've had this weird separation, um, but yet the world's still going on through these various technologies. So you do, exactly. because one of my other friends was like, I've done like 12 shows with somebody and I've never met them in person. I know, normally at some point you would have met, gone to lunch, coffee, drinks, whatever, you just would have met. You know what I mean? And for me, I normally travel back and forth, Bay Area all the time. That didn't happen because of COVID. I only traveled like twice, three times. So I haven't, so it's not like the usual, I'm like, I'm going to San Francisco for a weekend or I'm going to Sacramento. Like, I don't, I don't, it's not that frivolous anymore. It's like you have to really prepare, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. So it's, it, is, it is a weird time where we all feel like we know each other because we're going through this collective experience together, but yet we're not physically together. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I just got back from my first uh, vacation in two years to Hawaii. Yes. Which How was, was that? Oh, it was, it was great. It was, <laughs> it was better than I thought. Because, you know, we, as a family, we're more kind of like, we're not good at just like lying on a beach for a week. We need oh. to like go explore and kind of, okay. so we went to Honolulu, which is kind of like the perfect, you know, mix. It's like, it's a, it's kind of a city. It's a city. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, but, there then, it is. Yeah. but then you're right there on the beach at Waikiki. It's like, oh, this is nice. You know, so it was kind you of. Guys, it was, did you guys go to Diamond Head and all that stuff? You did you all that? We, we actually didn't do the hike at Diamond Head, but we were probably two miles from it. We could see it right outside yeah. of our hotel and stuff, but did the North Shore up on, you know, the drive. Oh, and I grew up in San Diego, so it's not like I've never, you know, been there. I know, I know. But it was like, it was nice. It was nice. Well, <laughs> it, was my, it was my first flight in two years. I was to say, it's nice to go somewhere else. Like, we take it for granted. Um, were you nervous about the flight? Were you nervous flying, or was it you know, at first? Not, not really. Um, I thought I would be, and I thought we would be as a family, especially my wife. She's a little more kind of, uh, just a little more of a worrier than I am. No, we got there. It was very safe. The masks on the whole time. We get to Hawaii. Very, you know, check-in vaccination status. Every restaurant we went to, and right. you know, it was a little, you know, but we've we've gotten used to wearing the mask. But now I didn't feel I didn't feel weird at all. It was yeah. it was actually kind of kind of nice. I heard that Hawaii was way more strict as an island. So they're very strict about all of that. Yeah, I think they they don't. You know, it's like hey, we get it. People want to come and, and check out our place, but don't come and you know like mess our our world up just for right. your your week of fun you know yes again they're, they're an island they're out there in the ocean they're not near everything so like we are we're on the states the mainland so it's a little different <laughs> yeah That's, i'll get it okay well i'm glad i'm glad um okay so it's time for me to read my list as always there's no rhyme <laughs> or reason in terms of order there's no ranking um these people's names were brought were put on here for a reason various reasons um which i'm not going to explain but they're just names and you'll probably react to some of them some you may know out there and some you may not know that's fine but they're all on this list for a reason you ready jared uh, i think so i think so people love my list they've been they've been loving this it's been fun <laughs> okay here we go <clears throat> third base anthrax the band limp biscuit lincoln park tina marie elvis costello and the attractions in sync new kids in the block Marky Mark, Vanilla Ice, Different Strokes, the TV show, Webster, the TV show, Jim Carrey, Rick Rubin, Carol Channing, Maud, and All in the Family. Clive Davis, David Geffen, David Foster, Victor Newman of The Young and the Restless, and his portrayer, Eric Braden. Bobby Caldwell, Boss Skaggs, Amy Winehouse, Adele, Sheena Easton, Samantha Fox, Taylor Dane, Kenny G, David Sanborn, Michael Bolton, Michael McDonald, the Doobie Brothers, Phil Collins. John B, JoJo, Simply Red, Level 42, UB40, The Haves and Have-Nots, Justin Timberlake, Janis Joplin, Color Me Bad, Robin Thicke, Joss Stone. Mark Ronson, Natasha Bedingfield, her brother Daniel Bedingfield, Gwen Stefani, Pink, Fergie, Nick Acosta, Channing Tatum, Britney Spears, Loving versus Virginia, President Joe Biden, President William Jefferson Clinton, The Kardashians, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Marlon Brando, Ellen Pompeo, Sandra Bullock, 
Charlize Theron, Prince Maximilian of Liechtenstein, Do the Right Thing, 12 Years a Slave, The Human Stain, Quentin Tarantino, John Travolta, Saturday Night Fever, Mickey Rooney, Amos and Andy, and Al Joseph. Joseph Fiennes, David Carradine, Fox when it first came out, UPN, WB, Lynn's sister on the TV show Girlfriends, Michael Rappaport, Chet Hanks, Kid Rock, House of Pain. Informer by Snow, Post Malone, Machine Gun Kelly, and the late Mac Miller. That's the list this time. Any opening thoughts just from hearing the list for you? You know, James, I couldn't even begin to. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. So I, I wrote, I started to write down third base. Yes. And then I'm like, wait a second, this list is going to be really long. And I just stopped. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so any names start popping out at you? You were like, I got to write that down. Any names are popping out at you? I mean, I noticed at the beginning a lot of a lot of white folks kind of, shall we say, in black spaces or in historically or traditional black spaces. Uh, there are a lot of names, frankly, I didn't know, but in names like, oh wait, I know who that is, but what's the connection? I was trying to make connections, and I don't know if there were any between each name or, um, but your reaction yeah. makes me happy though. Anyway, your reaction kind of makes me. Well, yeah, the bedroom goes shout to Michael Bolton. Okay, Michael Bolton of all people, really people of all those people. Just kidding. I, I'd love to have some like, well, the connection that James is making, but I don't. <laughs> no, that's why I do these lists. These lists are just made to make you react, and you're fine. A couple of my my guests were type type typing really fast on the computer. These little tabs, like, or either who's that, or I remember that person. Like, any one or more. So yeah, I again, I name things from white rappers. Uh, rappers, uh, bands that adopted certain styles, mm -hmm. um, the varying degrees. You wrote down third base to varying degrees. Yes. Yes. The, I mean, per, perhaps, <laughs> I it, perhaps it might lead us into a discussion about the uh, the the difference between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. Yes. Perhaps yeah. I don't know. It might be might be an angle, a direction to explore. Yes. yes. Um, and I do have a story that I, I think you'll well, you and your audience will. Um, yeah, I think we can go there. I, I'm always mindful of 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 uh, confidentiality, but I think I think it's I think it's worth sharing. No, no, no. Long as you long as you no, yeah, long as you're comfortable to tell it, maybe you can tell it. Tell it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No. I'm not going to name any like personal names. I don't okay. think anyone who who would know who I'm talking about is going to be listening right okay. now. Uh, so I play in a reggae band. Yeah, that's right. that's right. So it's five white guys, which one could argue, I wouldn't support this argument. One could argue just that fact of five white guys playing in a reggae band is problematic. I don't think so, um, but we can explore that. So anyway, um, it's, we, we've been kind of slow the last couple of years, obviously with, with, you know, COVID stuff, but we started to get some outside outdoor gigs last summer and fall, maybe, maybe half a dozen. So it's like, Ooh, this is fun. Like remember when we used to play like, you know, two or three times a month. So anyway, fast forward to about a month ago and it's like, Hey guys, let's get some gigs in the spring and summer. So as of, as of this recording, we have, I think 12 gigs on the calendar. Wow. Like all the, yeah, it's, it's nice all the way through, through August. Right. So like okay. I, our first one is this Sunday. 
So anyway, about a month ago, we're on this text thread. It's where we share songs. Hey, check this out. Or, or when are we rehearsing? You know, that kind of stuff. And one of the guys said, hey, we, we need to like kind of up our stage presence. Like, what do you want to do? I'm like, yeah. I, and I said, hey, we're five. I'm the youngest. I'm 48. And, you know, we're just five old guys. We're good. But yeah. we're not Kiss. You know, we're not... <laughs> you know we don't need uniforms we don't you know whatever but they're like yeah yeah we need to be more lively and blah 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 and it's just so i was just kind of like you know let's let our music speak for us like we do a good job we play covers most of the songs people know and then we take them in new directions it's pretty almost like jam reggae in a way okay so anyway so then one of the guys puts in the chat a picture of you've probably seen these on amazon or somewhere right where it's a um a reggae colored kind of cap Yeah. Like the black, green, and yellow, you know, and red with the dreads. Yeah, oh, I've seen them in costumes. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. And he said, oh, you know, we should wear these. And I'm just going like, okay, like, am I going to get into this on a text thread? Like how, not am I, it's like, how am I going to get into I, this? I would say it's you. You have to get, you have to, it's you, come on. So I just said, hey, you know, I don't think that's something we want to do. Oh, come on. We're just trying to have fun. What? Blah, blah, blah. I said, I said, you know, cultural, you know, appropriation, anyone like, so I was trying to kind of just let them come into the conversation, but they weren't, they were kind of going back and and it was one guy kind of leading another, you know, kind of neutral to like, yeah, like, let's do something fun. And so finally I said, all right, I got to get off my thumbs and onto the computer where my text is, where I can actually write, you know, tomes. And I wrote about four (laughs) paragraphs explaining why that's not okay why that is disrespectful why our fun if you know assuming we all thought that was fun not really fun to me but let's just assume we all thought that was fun like is is our fun you know worth more than the disrespect the mocking the uh you know gosh i can't how many words can we use right exactly i yeah and so, it, you know, they said, okay. And I, and I just said, not, not uh, aggressively, but I said, just, just to make it clear, um, if, if any of us decides to wear one of these on stage, I will not play uh, with, with you all. And not like thread, threatening or, you know, just, just kind of like, just so you know. And it was good. And then it kind of led into some like, hey, thanks for, you know, the education. And it was a little tense yeah, um, but then you know we had rehearsal the next you know three three or four days later and we talked about it and you know kind of i think they got it because it hasn't come up since and um but See, anyway that's a great example we're talking about tonight it's a great you're giving us a great example to kick it off thank you yeah and and i hope people are noticing you know i do this work i've written this book right and it's still uncomfortable for me to to do that so it's not like well, yeah, I'm just going to go up and kick my friend's asses and tell them how, how dumb, how dumb they are. No, it's, it's still awkward. It's still uncomfortable. It's still, there's still decisions to be made. So it's not that that all goes away. It's that you do it anyway, because you, let me put it in first person. I do it anyway, because I know that it's the right thing to do. And I know that it's lack of education and awareness. That's really at the root, not some sort of malicious you know intent or you know and so it's an opportunity for me to educate people who i care about who i engage with regularly who are in my sphere of influence you know we talk about who who can you impact i can impact these guys who i play with you know 
I'm going to be playing with for the next nine months, right. <laughs> know, right. like once a week rehearsal and, right. you know, a dozen gigs in the next, next six months. Right. So, so anyway, I hope, I hope people see like that example as an, as an, as an illustration of, of how we have to insert ourselves, especially as white people into these conversations when we see stuff that's not, that's not okay. No, I'm very proud of you, first of all, but I think it's a great example of what we were talking about tonight is getting white folks there, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way, and, and the thing is, um, it's like for me, uh, reggae, I know that there's a lot of uh, British culture and British uh, influence in, in Jamaica. Uh, a lot of my friends who are from there have British first names. Their real names are like Randolph and this, and I mean, they have real name. Like a lot of Caribbean, most of the Caribbeans like that. Uh, you go to Barbados, same thing. It's very, you know, English colony, that kind of thing. But anyway, but it's, so it's, it's complicated down there. That's all, but whatever. The point is that, um, that I, when I see a white person playing reggae, um, long as they're good, um, I'm always like, and, and long, as long, you know, it goes to, I call it the Beastie Boys rule. The Beastie <laughs> Boys didn't try to be black. Exactly. They liked the music and they played what they knew and what they talked about was what they knew the beats were very they had the same producers as as LL Cool J and all, that and all that, but the music was the lyrics were different and they had their own persona. It was yeah. still rap. And that's why black folks, I'll tell you, black folks will accept you. If it sounds like all right, fine, as long as you're not trying to, like you said, make a mockery, make fun of us, take your take, you know, try to act like you invented it, so to speak, kind of thing, and, and that kind of swagger. Mm-hmm. We don't want that. Just come in respecting it. And if it's good. We'll be like, sure, you're part, you're part of the family. Some of that I mentioned this in this in this list were very well respected in the black community that were very taken in, you know. And I, I, you know, and third base was really was a really good rap group. Didn't make it as far as some of the others, um, but they but they didn't try to be black either. It was one of those things where they were trying to they were trying to be themselves, but also enjoy the genre. So I think mm-hmm. for you guys. Yes, you don't need don't do those, those stupid. I mean, I see them for Halloween all the time. Like, oh, I bother to bug you so much. Um, you don't need. So you're telling people, I know you're not doing this to be racist. So to per se, you're not doing this to be this evil. Like let's make fun of the black folks in Jamaica, but you're thinking it's cool and funny, and just don't and know. fun and fun. Yeah. You just don't know that well, it isn't. Go ahead. Well, exactly, and and it comes down to awareness and proximity. So. You know, I live in Oakland, which is a very uh, diverse, multicultural, yes. you know, black city, and even l- less so than it used to be. But even even that, it's the most, you know. Well, actually, I don't know this for for sure, but I, I, I think it's, it's it's not as black as it used to was. It's not as black as it used to be, but I believe it's still the the blackest by percentage city in the Bay Area, at least. In the Bay Area, um, possible even more than Richmond. Yeah, maybe. Actually, yeah, but. Point you know, is, just black folks, uh, <laughs> and most of the other guys live in in the suburbs where there isn't a lot of black folks. There aren't a lot yeah, of black folks. Open here, and, stuff, yeah. Right, and so, which is fine. I mean, I'm not saying like you know, I don't want to get into this like where you live and all this stuff. Right. But right. what I am saying is that it's it's it is it comes down to lack of awareness. So if if I don't have black friends. And, and talk about this stuff and read and follow the news and the politics and, and you know, follow you know, black folks on social media who are talking about this and how it affects them. If I'm not kind of living that day to day, then 
then my world is like, well, hey, it's fun. And why, why does it matter? And that's where the education piece. And so I can't, you know, catch them up to speed on one text thread, but I can kind of, you know, help them get there a little bit. One of the guys said, um, you know, hey, we're five white guys playing reggae. Isn't that cultural appropriation? I think he was kind of joking, but I said, no, I mean, it's not because we're doing it respectfully. We're doing our own thing. We're not trying to be anything other than we like the music and we're good at it. That's fine. Just kind of like what you said with the Beastie Boys. So I think the Beastie Boys is a good example. I said, so that's totally fine. I mean, there's there have been white folks, you know, yeah, yeah. doing all kinds of things that are totally respectful. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, oh, no white people can play reggae. Like, no, it's, that's not the message at all. It's just, hey, you know, why are we, why are we do, why would we consider wearing <laughs> these well, reggae the, I, caps? And well, isn't it kind of, and hello, Tony JC, welcome joining in. Is it, well, is it also though kind of this, we grew up in a certain way where distinctions of race and culture were very prevalent in media. It was like if you were an Indian. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dots or feathers. It was very much put on in media. So aren't we kind of indoctrinating on some level that well, this could be fun. We'll be an Indian. I mean, maybe we, should, we should actually have the dots and feathers. And they, I, mean, I feel like it's that's part of our upbringing that we're taught that. It, it is. And, you know, I think Megan Kelly is a perfect, perfect example of, from a couple of years ago when she dug in, when she was called out for not, I wouldn't say celebrating, but not condemning blackface. Right. And she, I don't know if you remember the story, if you're listening, oh, oh, oh. It's, it's, it's an easy Google search away. Yeah, right? I, like, I, don't know, I don't know the story. You know, and so it's like, Here's this famous, well, you know, I guess, respected in some, kind circles, of, respected. In some circles, right? Yeah. But, you know, s- successful, prominent yeah. Yeah. voice yeah. just kind of extending what you're talking about. So presumably, like, like me, you know, probably about the same age, right? Mid-40s, right? Like grows, grows up with these messages that it's okay to do that stuff. And I would say, I would even argue less like that it's okay to, to do it and more of no one saying it's not okay to do it. 
So then by default, it's okay to do it. Well, you know, just, you know, Justin Trudeau is getting in getting in trouble in Canada because he did blackface something years ago and he apologized and I yeah yeah. Well, but the thing is, it really, I mean, and I'm not up to speed on all the the, the nuances of, of Justin Trudeau, but for me, it's about what is your re- what is our response when we're made aware of the right. problematic nature of of the incident. So if I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know. I'm really sorry. I won't do it again. Okay, like move on. Right. But it's like, well, what's the problem? Why is that a problem? Well, they're doing it. It's like, no, stop. Just stop. Well, you know, I mentioned <laughs> no, okay, go ahead. Well, I was just say, I think it it helps illustrate your point. Like we've we've grown up with it not being a thing, and then when people point it out that it's a thing, instead of going, oh, okay, I didn't know that, we dig in and we take it personally. That's this whole thing about this, like in America, especially like this individualism, right? Well, I don't have a problem with it. I don't care if someone does this about my culture. It's like, okay, great, awesome. But that's not what this is about. Um, some of the names on this list, one of the people that I mentioned was David Carradine. I grew up with Kung Fu, the series. I know Rodimus Para, who played the young climb on the show. I know him. He went on to a Little House on the Prairie later, and I know him personally. Uh, but Kung Fu is this cult classic. David Carradine is not Asian, folks. He is a white man with no Asian descent in there whatsoever. They played it up back then. You know, we didn't have social media stuff back then. They played it up, made his eyes a little slant here, did all the brown, the brown on the makeup. Um, hit show. And he, and he played that role of that culture for the rest of his life. He played, he, he did Tai Chi videos lately. He played up that role. But folks, he was not Asian or half Asian or quarter. I mean, it was, like, it was like, come on, folks. Like, and it's stuff like that where, but see, I grew up with that, liked the show when I was a kid. That was just an interesting show. I was into Kung Fu when I was a kid. Like, then luckily, I'm a, I'm a person of color also, so I know kind of that was wrong. But if you're not a person of color, you're not Asian or whatever, you're thinking, well, this is cool. I don't see what's wrong. I mean, he was, he was good. There's nothing wrong with it. Then you grew up later and go, well, I want to play an Asian guy for Halloween. And I'm going to put on a yellow cut painting, you know, like the, all that stuff. I think it's just like, it's so, it's so innocuous sometimes because we just grew up with stuff. Like, especially, especially our time period, Jerry, come on. In the 70s and 80s, they said bag 10,000 times in movies. And don't be a dyke and don't be that. I mean, like, and, and then and we're talking popular movies that are yeah. iconic movies that you and I saw in the theater. I mean, loved it. Pretty in Pink. I mean, come pretty on. Like, you know, it's like, you know, I can't even, I can't remember the, the guy's name, but I can picture, you know, yes. it's like, how stereotypical can we, can we be at, at, you know, for the entertainment of the masses, meaning not just white people, but kind of mostly white people, right? Yeah. Have this stereotypical, you know, accented asian man yes. what was it you know i'm not even going to uh, say his name yeah i'm not saying either i don't want to say either but yes we know who he, we all know who he is so here's another example and this is this is interesting um and again i'll i'll so one of my probably one of my closest friends because our kids uh are good friends since first or second grade now they're in seventh grade our families are really close uh the mom is indian and he's sri lankan okay. and uh he's he's a few years younger than me i think see i'm 48 i think he's like 44 so you know born like 77 or so same same time period so anyway when we get together you know we'll have a couple drinks and hang out the kids will do their thing and we'll just kind of you know shoot the shit and listen to music and so you know we have a lot of similar uh kind of 
entertainment uh, history. Like we yes. like the same yes. kind of music, some of the same movies we're familiar with. So one of his favorite movies, which I, I need to rewatch because it's, it's not one of kind of at the top of my head is Coming to America. So he's a big fan uh, of, uh, of yeah. Prince, Prince Akeem. Yeah, well, the movie, the movie's right? genius. The movie's genius. And so, uh, was it this Halloween or it was sometime recently, he said, you know, would it, and he's Sri Lankan. So he's not a white guy, right. but he's not black. Right. Right. And you look at him and he's clearly, you know, of South Asian descent. Like, you know, you can tell. And he, you know, he's like, yeah, I want to dress up as Prince Akeem. I said, dude, you can't do that. He's like, why not? It's like, because you can't, you're not black. He's like, yeah, but I'm not white. And so I had to like, you know, you know it was all in good fun. And he wasn't like, you know, I don't think he was really going to do it, but I had to really kind of help him understand, like, you know, it was kind of the same thing as the, as the reggae, you know, dreads, like, you just can't do that. And so, you know, over, we had a series of conversations and I said, you know, ask yourself why you want so badly to do this. Like, I get it, you're, you, you're a fan of, the, of, the, of Eddie Murphy, of the character, of the movie, like, that's cool, but it can't extend into like, well, because I like it, I'm just gonna dress as him as, as, a, you know, as a Halloween character. And so I think there's a lot of that, like, well, why not? Why can't I? Well, there's two, two things we're gonna pack there. I wanna say it, somebody in the chat just wants to say, when your response isn't, I'm sorry, and is, why can't I, it comes off as white privilege, there has to be some true humility. Um, yeah, I, my thing is, um, there's, you, you just, you know, there's like several things you just, I need to, I want to like, address uh, in this. I love, that's why I love talking to you. Okay. One, um, Americans, again, Americans are like being told not what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I said that sentence on purpose, because it may, it may not make sense, but it, it said that the point is, we're going through it right now. So it's like with, with the masking and this, Americans do not like being told what not to do. They do not like that. It's just number one. We're entitled brats. I just, that's just, I don't say that's, just, that's how we all are, right? That's number one. Yep. Number two, the whole, I wanna, how do I wanna call it? Um, brown to brown to brown to brown um, stuff. Because it happens with Latinos, when to say the N-word, well, we are close to that. Some of them are Afro-Latinos, so does that count? And, and then you got, you know, and then you got a Arabs, they feel like well, they're the most discriminated right now because, because of that. So it's, I see there's a whole bunch of that going on. So when you mentioned about him being South Asian going, well, I'm brown. He's probably dark as I am. He's probably darker. I mean, they, I don't know that that happens. But it's like, but you had to tell him, but no, but you still, you are not African-American. You're yeah. not, you can't be Eddie Murphy or Arsenio Hall who starred in the film. You can't, you just can't. It's, yeah. just, it's just, sorry, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's like, I can't be white. I mean, I can't do certain things. I can't be Asian, but like, there's things I can't do. There is a, literally, there is a movement in Hollywood. They have taken movies like The Last Airbender and stuff and made them all white. They've taken anime and manga stuff and cast Scarlett Johansson in it, or cast this person and like and totally whitewashed it where the characters are super Japanese, clearly Japanese, super, you know, you know, huge hit comics and things. And they pass them away. It's like, you can't do that. I'm sorry. It's like, that's just, to me, it's like, there are plenty of stories for you to be that, whatever it is. You mm -hmm. can't take, you know, you just can't, you just can't. So I think it was good to do it with your friends. It's like, it's like I, know, I know you're not being malicious about this, but you're thinking because you're brown too. That's a whole other discussion. Because you think because you're brown too, you get a 
more of a pass. I've dealt with that many times, Jared. Yeah. Many times I've explained to them, no, there's still certain things you can't do. I'm like, well, it, gosh, so many angles to yeah, go. I know, there. but that's you brought I mean, up. That's my different thing. It's different things to go from there. Well, well, this is something that I know you know, you know, way, way more than, than I do. Like, there's racism, which, you know, a brown, a, a South Asian, a Hispanic, a Middle Eastern person can, can experience. And then there's anti blackness, right? And so that's something I've learned over the years. Like, okay, as a white guy, like, okay, so I look at like my close friends, like, you know, and again, in people on the call who have, who have kids kind of know this, like, you know, your kids grow up and kind of your close friends are like your best, your kids' right, friends. Right, parents, right, 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 right. So if I look at like my little circle of kind of like who all our kids kind of hang out with, right? They're about five families. There are two, including us, two white families, two brown families. So the, the family I was mentioning, then another family who's um, the, they're uh, uh, Filipino and, uh, and Mexican, Hispanic. I believe she's Mexican. Yeah, I think it's Mexican. So they're brown, right? And then there's another family that's, they're kind of white, but they have a little bit of Asian kind of, you know, but like, like bare eighth or something, right? But they kind of identify as white. So, you know, a decently diverse kind of, you know, group of, of families and kids and they all hang out and so on. But, you know, very strikingly, no black folks in this little circle, right? So, I mean, and I'm comfortable with that because, you know, we have other black friends. It's not like, oh, we need to find a black person to come into yeah, our, you know, hey, you, you, you yeah. come in and be the token black person. Yeah, that's even group, worse. Yeah, that's even right? worse, yes. And so it's funny because, you know, we'll get together and we'll play like, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Any any kind of competition, ping pong or something like it's like oh the brown guys versus the white guys and ha ha you know it's funny right and so the, they'll play I mean it's it's all in good humor right they'll right. play the kind of like the race card jokingly right. but they're it's not the same as well like, I also let me, let me let me say something before because when people are talking in the chat room I just want to say what there is a certain thing that in your circle of friends if there's things that are understood it's okay. Yeah. Like just usually in that circle of friends or just that friendship here. I have friends. I, I'm telling you, I say things because like, people are trying to talk. I just want to make sure I get this back. What you're saying. What, I'm, what he's saying is that there's some things that are spoken of that are for fun purposes that they actually can do. Like I have things because I'm, I'm Afro-Latino. I say, I, I speak Spanish all of a sudden. And we do things like that on purpose. Mm -hmm. Or I'll say, you know, we say CP time. But you're a little late today. I see, we, but we know that it's within our group. And if there's people who are of different races in our group, it's agreed upon that we can do this. And to me, that's okay. I have no problem with that whatsoever. To me, that's like, that's kind of, well, I'll say, you know, you know, you know, my soul sister and like, you may be a white person. It's okay for me to say that, identify that. And, but they still know there's boundaries they won't press. Yep. I'm sure because you're saying, I want people to get upset and go, what is he talking about? No, it's like, I get that. There's, I'm telling you, we're all we're all people. We're all friends. We like to laugh, have a good time. Yeah. Some things are for fun. I'm saying there's some things, but if it's understood and no one's offended in the group, mm -hmm. once one gets offended in the group, then you stop it. Between that and me, then you stop it. Well, there's that, and then I think your larger point is just because it's okay in the group doesn't necessarily yes. make it okay outside of the group. In fact, yes. in most cases, it probably isn't okay, or at least isn't exactly. by default okay. Exactly. It might be okay with some exploration yeah, and yeah, some yeah. discussion and some future or some, you know, deeper kind of, you know, uh, friendship, but yeah. 
and, and again, it's like the, the whole thing, you know, there's this idea, which I know you know of, and probably some of your listeners, like this idea of white adjacency, right? So my friend, he would, no one would ever mistake him as white. I mean, you look at him, he's, yeah. you know, right. they, they mistake him as Indian, even though he's right. Sri Lankan, okay. but they don't mistake him as white. So that's right. not like a thing like, oh, but they also don't mistake him as, as black right? or as African-American, right? And so there is that privilege you know, is it white privilege or is it white adjacency privilege? Is it not black privilege? You know, I don't know, we can explore that, but there is that. And, you know, the good news, at least for me, and I think if, if white people can get to this place where we can, just like you and I are kind of talking about it. Yeah, of course, you know, I've written a book, you have the show, like we're talking about it. We have this kind of platform, but even just in our social circles, if white people can get to the point where we can just talk about this without charge, then we can start to, you know, have these conversations with our friends, with our family, with our neighbors, with, you know, whoever's in our kind of our regular circles. Here, based on his thing, Jared, though, I, I, I want to say something. So I could have saw the book and went, what the fuck? What does he write? Who this black guy <laughs> think he is? I could have been totally close. I mean, seriously, I could have been totally like, this is all a bunch of bullshit. What, I don't know who you think he is. I could have been totally closed off. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I'm not listening to this white man. I don't know what the F he's talking about. I could, I could have been. And I, and there's a lot of folks who are like that, where I'm going, I tell, mm-hmm. tell my black friend, well, you guys should, you should take a look at this. If you're curious about what some white folks are saying, this one white man is saying, take, you, may, you, may be really, you may be really interested to pass on to your white friends, possibly. Like, I'm like, just don't, but there's people I know who are just, because we're hurt. A lot of us black folks just hurt. We're tired. We're hurt. I totally get it. I know you get it. But I'm yeah. saying, I could have been like, one of those like, nope. I don't, I'm not accepting your, your story. I don't, I don't want to see this, um, your skin color by. And to me, that's a, just a big disservice of someone gaslighting me and going, James, I don't want to hear you talk about being black. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, you're trying to share your experience in this book as a white man coming to terms with racism and racial injustice and racial inequality. And me going to say, I'm a black man trying to tell everybody how racial, I mean, it's, it's almost like it would be almost a disservice if I didn't. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> I mean, you've read the book and, you know, we've gotten to know each other. So, I mean, can I share how, how, how I, how we came to, to know, know no, no, each no, other? No, please, no, please, no, right, please, right, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, when I wrote the book, uh, the, my publisher, um, she introduced me to this woman who has this kind of this podcast tour thing. And it's this whole process. So I pay her the money and then she's basically like, like, like my podcast booking agent kind yeah, of, those right. So there's this huge Trello board and literally there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of pot and i'm looking through them and it's like oh yeah that one sounds good oh no no that's not really me and and then and then she does all the outreach so she reached out to you and i don't remember exactly what it said but you're like hey sounds interesting but i've got a reputation to hold i need to read his book before i'm just gonna have this white guy come on my show talking about (laughs) i did which and i and if you remember and so she reached out to me and she said hey you know talk to jane then she introduced us via email of course like how how absurd would that be? Like, nope, you know, have me on the show, sight unseen, or or, or I'm out of here. Like, no, that'd be fucking stupid. Sorry, I don't know if we can. I, know, I, know, I think that here, there comes out. Yes, yeah, so it was fine. Right, and so, yeah. so then you know, hey, send, give me your address. Boom, I send you a book, yeah. and then this is this is a big part of it too. This is a meta story as well. Like, of course, I want to be on the show, and I want to get you know, kind of get my yeah. voice out there and the book out there, and I want to you know, blah blah blah. But I'm not attached to that. So if I send you the book, 
which is fine. I mean, what's it cost me? You know, three bucks to send you the book down in the mail, right? So I send you the book. And let's say you read it and you're like, this guy does not know what the hell he's talking about. And you say, hey, dude, you know, sorry, not okay. Like, I have to be open to that. And so it's not even about like, oh, I'm so confident that he'll like it. And he'll, it's like, no, I mean, I am confident. And I think it's worth something. I send it to you. You know, it's up to you. And you came back and said, hey, I love this. Let's do it. And so here we are. And so I think, I think there's that for white folks, especially, well, really anyone, but for white folks, not just, I mean, I know not a lot of white folks have written a book about racism, but whatever the, whatever the context or the, or the, um, you know, the relationship is like not being attached to some sort of, you know, outcome or like, what's, what do they say? Like my racial resume? Well, I have black friends and no, stop, stop. (laughs) Right. Just be, and people will come to you. They'll read it. If they resonate, then you're going to have the conversations and you're going to make the impact that you want to make. I read every book that folks that I, that I, it's very rare in this business. I do read every book that I get because I want to make sure I can put my name behind it. I've worked very hard for 13 years being in this business. So I was like, that's what I did. I, so I, was, I was just straight up like, okay, this is about race. And it's a white dude. I got, I'm like, I got to know that this black man is going to read it first cover to cover before I agree to nothing, anything. And I did say, he's right. I said, just like that. And I, and I did read, I liked it. So I mean, obviously I'm not, I'm not I, got, I got, I got dog here. I got, I'm using this book as a, a guidebook. Um, but no, so that's how we met. And then we hit it off and it's like our, our third show together. So it's fine. Um, but no, I mean, that's the thing about being open. And that's why and discussions are always the first step. Like in his book, he said, the first thing is really curiosity. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. And the chat room is basically some of the chat. People are talking in the chat room, which I love. Okay. Um, amongst people of color, they're biased against black people. We like we were just saying about that. There's the anti-black stuff. Um, I am dark skinned. I'm a dark skinned lady. I did my ancestry and I got Italian in me. I was like, okay, I did my ancestry too. And I'm, I'm actually 44% white. So that's kind of crazy. And my ancestry, <laughs> as a whole other show, I'm, I'm actually going to devote a show on this ancestry thing. Cause it's crazy. Cause I mean, I, mean, my, I come from a biracial. I mean, I, but it's just kind of funny. I look like this, but I'm like more white than anything else. It's kind of it's crazy. Um, being back in my day, we call each other the N word ending in A. Yes, you know the word amongst us, but never out and about like we do today. Biracial and light-skinned people get jobs on TV more than darker-skinned people. Um, yes, I know that also. I live it every day myself. Um, so I'm glad, thanks, I'm glad you guys are kind of talking and they you talk it out, let it out. So whatever you, whatever you feeling, continue to talk it out. Um, well, it, it, I mean, and I say this in the book a lot, you know, this whole idea of, the, of like this interconnectedness of, of racial justice and mindfulness. And mindfulness in so many different angles right like for white folks our ability or inability or do right. the degree in which we are able to sit in these conversations without freaking out right without uh, evoking our privilege and, and checking out the conversation right but also this idea that um as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How to say it, like, you know, you, you run up, like, this, this curiosity. Like, I'm actually curious about you you know, James Lott. I'm curious about you, the person. I'm curious about Black people. I'm curious about these, you know, some of the things that you just read from the chat, right? Like, you know, skin, uh, um, you know, colorism, skin privilege, all the, like, you know, we talked about the Beastie Boys. I grew up, you know, we're about the same age. I, mean, I wasn't really big into hip hop as a kid, but, you know, I was in late high school, early college when like Beastie Boys and Tribe Called Quest and Diggable Planets and you know, I just read Will Smith's book on the plane. It was, oh, it was actually over here. I'm reading oh, it over there. So it, yeah, I, I'm it was, it, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not really a pop culture. I mean, of course I know who Will Smith is I and know, I know, yeah. I kind of know his history and I know the movies yeah. he's in, even though I haven't seen most of them, but it was, it was really well it's a great done. Read. It's a great read. Oh, great it read. was, it was yeah, awesome. My, your folks might just sit right there. Yeah. Right there. yeah so. But you know, I think for those, well, I don't want to give, you know, spoiler for anyone who hasn't read it, but you know, as you would expect in a, in a, in a book from, you know, Will Smith, right? He comes to some awareness towards the end of the book around like, what does it really mean to be Will Smith and be the most successful, famous movie star of all time? You know, that whole thing. It's really this, this mindfulness that's like rooted in this, um, this equanimity. So I've been reading, you know, I read a lot of uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. I don't know if you're- And- I think that's underappreciated in this work that, you know, we get, again, we get attached to outcomes that we want to change things so badly. And when they don't happen either immediately or at all, or the way we like them, we can't handle it. Right. So we're going down direction. I did not plan. Actually, um, you guys in chat were going along with us. I, I, I love it. I mean, that to me, open, whatever talks we talk about, it's fine. We can always come back to, I, I have notes we can talk, we can talk about that next time, obviously. But I'm not, we're going down roads. I didn't, because you bring us some stuff. You, you know, you say we, I was just saying, hey, bring us back wherever you no, want no, us I'm, to no, go. I know, I go with the gold. I'm a, I go with the gold. It's like, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what we're going to talk about. I, do I like this? Because I have more to say about this. Okay, so, for example, I mentioned, I mentioned um, Beastie Boys, but I also, there are people that I liked who worked with black producers and black songwriters. Um, people like Samantha Fox, I mentioned in the very 80s. Sheena Easton worked with Prince, Taylor Dane sounded black. You know, you know what that means, right? We got all that, all that means. Um, people like Kenny G, very well respected in the black community uh, with this actual, you know, even William Jefferson Clinton, Bill Clinton was called the first black president. That was the joke amongst black people. And that was because he went on Arsenio Hall and showed his swagger. And I think it's one of those things where 
black folks, and he seemed authentic in a, in a fun way. It's like he was like a fun, like you want to hang out with them kind of guy. Um, and he seemed to like black people. I mean, it's just one of those kind of just like, like he liked us. Um, and that's what it is. I think a lot of these people who work with black producers and the black producers endorse them and say, no, these are good, these are fine folks. They appreciate the, the music. We, last time on our show, you and I talked about George Michael, and I told, who, you know, so soulful of Hall of Notes. They, they appreciate the music. They were on black radio, which is always crazy, it was black radio. Black radio, they're like, you know, just, it's just that it's, there's, there is, we have, to, we have to really kind of look at it. I always look at it as, if black folks say it's okay, then it's fine. I feel like I always, I always that, that's kind of my rule of thumb. It's like, if you come, if you come honest and correct, as we say, then we'll, we'll bring you in. And I think, yeah. like I said, and then when it's turned on us, this is a whole other story, but just kind of like a side note, when I said Fox when it first came out, Fox literally went after black people as an audience. When it mm. first came out, Really? Like, the, that was, was like early eighties, was it? Yes, when it that came was out, big, I think. Yeah, yeah, they, they were the different network. They were the, they were becoming yeah. the, they were, they weren't the big three. We are the ones who had married with children. And all, they were doing, they were doing stuff that just That's like right. remember, yeah, they were yeah. the Simpsons. I mean, also that all came from Tracy Ullman show, and all, they were, but they were going. And then, then when they started turning on us a little bit, then the WB came out and UPN came out. And that's that's where all the black programming came. I was saying that, but black folks at first, they, they catered to us and we're like, okay, you seem like you want us, so we'll come to you. And that's kind of what it is. It's like, as long as you seem authentic, if you on stage, Jared, or you and your band are on stage playing faithful covers of, re of big reggae songs or taking reggae songs you don't know that much about and really kind of turning them on their ear and kind of giving them kind of a little flavor, mm -hmm. we'll, like, we'll take it, we'll accept it. We're not, where your black folks are, I, I don't want people to think that black folks are just like harsh on everybody. You're and we're just judging you all the time. It's like, no, we just want you to not be anti-black. Yeah. We, we just want you not to be racist. That's all we want. We don't, I want me to get that point out that we don't mind what you do if it doesn't, if it's not just like racist. Yeah. So many good points, uh, James. <laughs> I know, it's and, crazy. I love it. Well, well, and the other thing that I think is really important for white folks. So I love what you said, like, you know, black folks will will accept us as long as we're not, you know, as like we're not being uh, racist, we're not being ignorant, we're not being uh, dismissive, right? All these th all these things, right? The other thing that I've found is that, um, and this is, I think, this is really important for white people who are kind of genuinely committed to getting better, to doing better, to being more aware, to elevating their consciousness, to evolving their, you know, their their consciousness, right? is that it's not about universal approval from anyone. It's about enough of awareness. And it's not like there's a finish line, like, oh, I've read this many right, books right, or right, I've watched right. this, but it's like this ongoing awareness where you get to a point where like, and this happens to me, like, like I, I value you and your approval, not like, oh, James likes me, a black right, man right. likes me, it validates me, but it's not like, but for, so I, I feel confident enough that what I do, what I say, how I show up, what I've written, what I, how I speak, all the things that I'm in integrity and I'm in relationship and I'm in respect. Now, even with all that, there are people of color, black people and other people of color who don't like me. Yeah, well, yeah. Who don't, right, right. who don't agree with me, who actually are aggressively kind of trying to knock me down. And so does that hurt? Yeah, but not because, oh my gosh, a black person like doesn't like me. It's right. not that. It's like, wait, 
you don't know me. Let's talk. And so, you know, and sometimes you can go some places and you can, you can kind of get to some understanding. And other times they're like, you know what, dude, I don't got time for you. Okay. So my point is, while what you say is absolutely true, I think white people need to understand that you're, we're going to have, uh, even though we're, we're doing this with integrity and with, with commitment, we're going to have individual people um, in various contexts who are going to come at us and you know, that's just the way it is. And that, yeah. that shouldn't define our integrity or derail our efforts. Yeah, that's very true. And I think, well, you know, like I said, what we said earlier, these are not, this is not an easy conversation. It's not easy. And if anything was easy, if everything was easy, then, you know, we'd all be billionaires and rich, you know, and, and living in our shoes <laughs> all the time. Um, but no, but nothing, I mean, nothing's easy. I mean, that's the kind of thing. It's like, it's, you know, growth isn't easy. You know, rebirth isn't easy. That's why I call it birth. Birthing isn't easy. Um, as for white folks and for other non-black folks of color or, or black folks who are racist against Asians and or, and or Latinos are racist against black people. Like we all have to, we all have to kind of recalibrate our thinking to be a little more open to this kind of like, don't just believe the stereotypes that you just, you, that you were raised with and take them as gospel. I mean, like I said, I'm going back to the thing of where how you grow up and what you see every day all the time becomes your world and becomes your thought process unless you get curious you say in the book unless you get curious and go well there's there's a piece in, in here and if we can find it I'll, I'll be happy to read it um you know you talk about curiosity yes and for me so you know, we, we've talked about this and maybe if people have heard me, you know, once or twice on your show, they're, they're familiar with, with a little bit of my backstory. But, you know, I grew up in a very white yeah. uh, environment with very little exposure to people of color in, in any regard, let alone black people. Uh, and so, you know, as I got older, you know, I, I was the privileged white dude. I was the partier. I was the athlete, you know, I, and I, it wasn't out of malice. It was out of indifference. Right. But when I was 17, so I was always into music. So as a kid, I you know, listened to Casey Kasem, Top 40. Then I got into like, uh, you know, New Wave, 91X, K-Rock. And then I kind of went backwards and I got into like Led Zeppelin and the Stones and everything. And then I was I was 17 and I discovered in my mom's record collection three albums that changed changed my life musically. But also I know now kind of politically, socially, consciously. I found three records. I was just browsing through like, oh, what does my mom have in a record collection? You know, it's like, and there was like, it was Mississippi John Hurt, who was an old black fingerstyle guitarist from, from Mississippi. Taj Mahal, who's now, I mean, been around for yeah, 60 yeah, yeah. years, but at the time, you know, this album was from like 1962 or whatever, an early Taj Mahal album, and then a Hot Tuna, which were white guys Tuna. playing, oh, yeah, I love playing old blue. So I, I get these records on with, I'm like, holy sh like, this is it. This is music. This is it. This is all I want. And so I'm 17. I'm a senior in high school. And so then I go off to college and I'm drinking and playing lacrosse and, you know, doing the whole thing. But I wouldn't say secretly, but kind of on the side, I'm not listening to the pop music and the, the everything. I'm listening to like, you know, Robert Johnson and I'm listening to Howlin' Wolf and I'm listening to Muddy Waters and I'm listening to Bessie Smith and and all the. And so it's not like, oh, I'm so woke because I listen to black music. That's not it at all I wasn't woke but what I did start to be interested in is like their lives I actually started to be interested like wait a second not only do I like this music 
but I'm interested in their lives. Like I'm reading these, I'm looking at books, I'm reading, you know, well, there weren't websites back then, but like I'm really exploring. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but now when I, you know, look back with, with hindsight, it's like that just as much as any other kind of work and reading and growth and, and stuff I've done that contributed to my, my ability to stay in these conversations and to be in these conversations was through, you know, these, these musicians, these black musicians that I discovered when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old. And I think that, that, that speaks to the curiosity piece that you keep bringing up. Like it has to be deep curiosity, not just like, oh, that looks kind of neat. It's like, oh, I'm interested in that and I want to learn more. And then when you have that kind of way of looking at the world, it applies to people too. So then I meet you, I'm not like, oh, let me, I'm curious about, you know, why is James have, you know, no, it's like, like, Hey, I want to know you. I want to get to know you. I want to explore. I want to have these conversations. Like, and it's, it's like a genuine curiosity about people and realities and experiences that, you know, really is what this is all about. Here's Jared's words. I'm curious about the history and culture and lived experiences of other people, individual people. I know people I consider friends, people I work with, people I connect with online. Individual people I don't know, musicians whose tunes I groove to, writers whose stories I absorb, artists whose creativity inspires me, speakers whose words move me, politicians whose policies motivate me. Social justice and anti-racism and equity and diversity and inclusion and belonging work require that you learn industry best practices and know your history and understand systems of oppression and familiarize yourself with many other nuances and subtleties. And if you're not curious about the lives of other people, how they live, how they hurt, how they love, how they grow, how they navigate the world, how they're different from you, how they're not. If you're not curious about the vast dynamism of the human condition, if you don't center empathy and compassion and connection and love, then are you really doing the work? I find the more curious I am about other people, the more curious I am about myself. That's the piece right there I love. Who am I? Why do I care? What drives me? What keeps me centered? Who I might become? And it all begins with curiosity. Those are his words from his book that I love that that to me is that's the beginning. To me, it's like when you learn about other people, you learn about yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I say this all the time. I'm glad. Thank you. Someone says they're enjoying the open conversation. Thank you, Christy. I appreciate that. Um, the point is, we're not all, all black folks aren't the same. All white folks aren't the same. All Asians aren't the same. All, we're not all the same. But we have a lot of sayings in, within our stuff. We keep thinking everybody's just super different. No, we have different cultural things and you know, different things like that happen. We have different ways of being treated in America. <laughs> There, that's that also. But again, we like the same five or six things, a good TV show, a video game, <laughs> uh, good sex, a relationship, good food. I mean, there's like certain things I think we all like, a good song that has a good groove to it. We all want that. Like there's some sameness that we have that I think gets lost because we're so, because what Jared and I want you to see is the differences but also I want you to see how we can come together so we're not so different. I mean, that, that, that's what it is like. We're pointing, people say to you, Jared, say to me, 
Why do you keep pointing out the racing? Why do you keep pointing out he's white? Why you, there's a point to that. But the point also is, I've also thought that it could be a barrier to me getting to know you and learn to respect you. Respect is earned, it is, to respect you and your space. I'm not here to take over your space. I'm not threatened by you being here. That's the whole point of this. Like we pointed out, we're pointing for a reason because it is something that has to, be point, has to be pointed out. But there is, I feel like there's a lot of stuff. Like I said, I read your book several times there we've talked. <laughs> I feel like we're similar in that in the sense of that we're trying to bring it out to the forefront, to the top, you know, bring it out so it's at the top of the thing. So, we, so it's out there. We're not trying to hide this. It's like, it's, people don't want to talk about it because it's, it's not a fun topic for people. It's not, it's, there's a lot of pain and trauma and hurt on one side. There's a lot of being scared and nervous on another side also. Also defense, there's offense. And there's de offense and there's defense. There's so much going on that it just keeps getting pushed down. I mean, we're, we're post-racial. What are you talking about? Why do you bring up race all the time? You had a black president. You know, they say all these things to you and you're like, but that's not the point. It's like, in your life, you folks at home, not yours, but I know you're already doing it. But in your life at home, are you curious enough to actually be open to hearing other people's stories? And going, you know what, I get it. Or I don't get it, but you know what, I trust you. I trust you, I believe in you. I'm not gonna gaslight you and tell you it didn't happen. That's why it's really, it's for me and sometimes it's, when I come from a multiracial family, I was always, a, there was always a struggle because one side felt this way and one side felt that way. Mm -hmm. And somehow I just try to get it wrong with everybody. I mean, I don't, I don't you know what I'm saying? And it's this whole thing of like, well, James, you know, don't date white people because they won't understand you. But then I mean, tell us like, well, white people are your family. And so they should just love who you love because love is love, right? It's like, so it's like this weird, you know, it's this weird. So I was always curious, like I was always curious. And so I was like, so if I met somebody, no matter who they were, I was curious about them. So that would lead to discussions of sometimes of race or size or age or, you know, they think I'm dumb, come from the South. There's all, there's all kinds of things that come up with people that we go through. The way I, I have friends who are from the South, they think they, they, they're dumb. They speak a certain way, they speak slower, or they speak with a certain joy, and they go, this is a dumbass. They're not dumb. It's like, why, why, why do we have that stereotype? You know, not that everybody on the coast are the smartest people on earth. I mean, it's like, they come from everywhere. So there's a lot of things, you know, Jared, there's a lot of things that come up for people. But if you're curious and open, that's the point of that's the that's the point of this this discussion tonight. Also, is that that's what I wanted to kind of get across. Uh, James, I'd love I could just sit and listen. I know, to you. I know, I know. I, it's, it's, I know. It's like you do it to me, I'm doing it to you. I know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I mean, thank you for reading that piece. And there are other pieces throughout that really oh, focus time, on that, time, on, on on the you know the idea of curiosity and you know where where really kind of hit home for me and. You know, in the book, the very opening story after Madison's forward is, um, you know, my friend and I at in Bend, Oregon. If you've never been to Bend, Oregon, I have. It's about 126 percent white or so. Yes, you know, yes yeah, exactly, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I felt something right. like that. I stood, I stood out when I was there. Trust me. So, so anyway, that's my friend and I there, and and you know, people can read the book if if they want to kind of get all the details of the story. But that person in that story was my best friend for 35 years so we met when we were 10 hit it off you know the whole thing right so when i the first early drafts of the book 
he was he was um, he was in the story a lot more in the book a lot more. And my wife, my editor, the publisher, everyone read it. It's like, yeah, I get it, but you're making it too much about him. Oh, okay. I get, I get this, that. Okay. This isn't, this isn't like a, uh, you know, this isn't your opportunity to like, you know, shame him in public and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you're right. So we decided like, keep the, keep the opening story in because it, yep. it's a good entry point into your work and, you know, kind of, but yep. get all the other shit out of there. So yep. that was good. But the reason I bring that up is I think this might have made its way into the book somewhere, but just not by kind of naming him. Um, we were talking, God, this is probably at least 10 years ago. We haven't talked for almost four years now, which is, that's a whole nother, uh, whole nother episode, but there's this one time we were talking about something, something around this. It was like Dave Chappelle or something was going on in the news or about, you know, people, black people and stuff. And he, he just interrupts me. He goes, dude, I'm just not that curious. And he said it with such, um, it was almost like compassion. Like, dude, you don't understand me. I'm just not curious. Like if you would, if you would just get that about me, like we could move on and, and. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it was this weird thing that I know now. You know, 10 plus years later, it's like that's why we're not friends anymore. Because mm. because you're not curious. It's, it's, yes, it's about you being racist and yes, it's about you doing this and saying that and all the things, but at the heart of it, you're not curious. So when I bring these things up that I am not only curious about, but interested in, uh, they're personal to me, they're, you know, they're part of my work. Yes, all that is problematic, but at the heart of it is you're not curious enough to stay in these conversations. And so you see that you see me being curious as a fault and therefore like we, we can't go, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go in, in any individual conversation. And then as it proved to be, there's nowhere to go in our friendship. So it's over. But you know how honest that is though? That's so honest of him 
It is. To say that. I mean, I, you know, I'm saying, I mean, it's a shame too for your friendship. But I'm like, that's very honest though, that there are a lot of folks <laughs> feel the same way. It, it they is. Feel, they feel I, mean, I mean, I'll give it to him. He literally is just like, I don't give two shit. I mean, I'm, just, I'm, really just, I'm just not involved. And it's like, that's real though. That is really, really, really real. It, but here's here's the here's the bigger thing too that I want people to take away. Like, so yes, if we make it about his and my relationship, it was honest. It proved to be the clash. You know, we 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 broke up, so to speak. We're not friends right, anymore. Right, right, right. Okay, and you you know, again, a whole nother episode we can explore that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. But I think the bigger thing to think about is. And he's just an, an illustration of, as you said, so many people. What do people do with that in curiosity? They perpetuate right. systemic racism. They perpetuate right. white supremacy. They perpetuate discrimination. They perpetuate prejudice, right? So it's not just a case of like, yeah, well, he was honest and, you know, now you're not friends anymore. And, you know, okay, at least, you know, at least you can go kind of with integrity. Like, yes, and you know, take him times what, 100 million, 200 million, and there you go. There is something, else, okay, so one second. There is something else I wanted to in here. I have, I have 10,000 things in here um, that I want, okay. This is his words also. We're almost done, folks. We're gonna be on it for 10 hours. We could, <laughs> but I'm gonna have 10 hours. But I mean, we went, it's, it's went in a direction I didn't plan, which I like. This is why. As a cisgendered, straight, white male doing anti-racism, racism, <clears throat> social justice and equity work, absorbing criticism, skepticism, and cynicism, it's high on my list of skills. After all, who is this cis person talking about transgender issues? If I were trans, I'd have doubts about myself. Who is this straight person to be a vocal advocate for gay and lesbian rights? <clears throat> what the hell do I know what it means to be gay? And who is this white dude to be carrying on about the black experience? The guy who is as white as snow. Actually, I've seen whiter than you, trust me. <laughs> and here's another man coming to save all women from marginalization. All these, and more, as he's right, are valid perspectives. I would be a fool to dismiss them. And I, and I would lose my effectiveness. I put myself out there. I show up, I listen, I speak, and write and persuade and argue and try to influence. But because I put myself out there, there are times when I make mistakes. I, when I miss nuances and subtleties, when I misrepresent facts, when I'm, oh, let's see, when I'm missing, I have my glasses on. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's another thing that has no race issues, just old eyes here. Um, when, I'm, when I'm misinterpreted and misperceived, and when I'm flat out wrong, my intentions aren't always in line with the impact of my words, thoughts, and actions. This is okay. As long as I'm humble enough to listen, learn, and commit to improving. The alternative is silence. And then I'd be complicit. I wanted to read that because that's the, that's the alternative. What we, 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 you and I were talking about all night basically is not being silent. And examples of saying, saying shit to people and, and speaking out here tonight to talk about. Now, thank you guys, you guys are sweet, you guys are sweet. But I mean, I, I, I can't be on it for 10 hours talking about this. I love, I love race. He ain't going nowhere, I'm not going nowhere. God willing, I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> Well, we'll talk more about it. I'm glad you guys are appreciating. They're enjoying the conversation. Thank you guys. I really appreciate that. Um, but anyway, that part also I liked from you that it's like saying, I'm not perfect. 
um, but I'm here to learn. And to me, again, you're being authentic. You're, you're being authentic. So as a person who is of several of those others, I'm part of several of those communities. I, you know, I, I can take and go, you know, he's being earnest at least. And, and if he does say something that like, I'm not sure about, I probably can say something to him and he will listen. You're not going to say, well, James, you haven't, you haven't any more conversations go, well, James, that sounds good, but I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not sure. <laughs> Never. Trust me. I've had conversations like that all the time. That's my, that's my usual conversation with a white person. If I bring up race, it's like, James, are you, I think, I know you see it that way, but I just think maybe you should think of it this no, I know what I'm talking about. Um, this is my experience. You know what I mean? And you're telling your experience. And that's what I'm saying. That's why I like talking to you because you're not trying to, I call it gaslighting me and saying, no, James, you're, you're seeing it wrong. You're seeing it as a certain way. And you're saying, let's just still, let's, both of us have open minds and not be silent by what we do see. And let's like, let's, let's and be curious. Let's figure it out. Let's just yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, gosh, we could go so many directions I know, I with know. this. Um, but you, you're, so I, I work for a company called Translator, and I, a lot of my work is um, facilitation, client work, and kind of holding space for for these these sessions. And there's there's this one um, kind of this one experience that we that we've curated called Comfort Zones, and it's a whole software thing. You know, I won't get into all the boring details of it, yeah. but basically, we get down to this idea of comfort right? And, and discomfort and what makes us uncomfortable? What dimensions of diversity make us uncomfortable? Is it race? Is it gender? Is it age? Is it disability? Is it mental health? Is it uh, age, right? There are all these different things that we don't really think about until we're asked to think about it. And so I don't want to give the whole spoiler alert for anyone who on this call is like, oh, I got to go and get my company to sign up for this, this class and, and take it. <laughs> <laughs> but but the basic idea is like not all discomfort is the same right so my discomfort of like oh what if i say the wrong thing or what if james disagrees with me or what if that person you know says i'm doing being a performative all these things right those are real like i have a right to think about those and worry about it and be just be uncomfortable with those but it's not the same as living under the threat of racism every single day which I don't have to do. It's not. I, I mean, I, I, I experience it, I see it, I'm part of the system, but yeah. I'm not the direct recipient of it. I have stresses like we all do, family, money, politics, you know, whatever, but I don't have to live worrying about my skin color impacting my day-to-day -day, uh, experiences, relationships, et cetera. And so that discomfort is not the same as I hope I don't say the wrong thing. They're not. Right, so oh, right, oh, right, oh, right, 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 right. And so that's, that's where I, you know, that, that piece that you read, and thank you for, for reading it, kind of came from. Like, I think a lot of white folks, especially, well, I don't know, I should just probably, you know, stay quiet. No. There's a question in here. Reverse the book and see how well accepted if a black man were about whites that way, do you think that book would have been published? I think there actually are books out there uh, for white folks, I mean, I mean, right now I know I know white fragility is written by a white woman, and so that's something different. But I'm trying to. Think, I mean, I'm not sure. It's a good question. I'm not sure if there is or not. There might be, but she's asking the question: Would it be received the right same way as white people? I think no. I think a white person writing about, in my opinion, 
a white person talking to white people is more effective than a black person talking to white people. Yeah, I mean, that's largely why I wrote it. Yeah. Um, is I know just from talking to so many people of all back racial backgrounds, but especially working with, with you know, I, I've had business partners who are black and all their colleagues and co-facilitators. And I mean, you just see the different ways that we're received in different contexts. Um, and, you know, is there a universal truth? Like this is true for here and this is true for him and this is true for him. No, but there are different ways. And so one of the things, you know, why I wrote this book with this title, which is, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's provocative, but I guess, you know, people could say it is like, is like, hey, white people, here's a white person, you know, speaking up on this with conviction, with confidence, with integrity, with uh, awareness and listen to me because I know you're not going to listen to everyone else. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, you know, there's a, a, a series I just finished watching called Everything's Going to Be All White. It's on. It's, it is. It's good, too. It's, uh, it's a great title. It's a great title. Uh, I just, it's, it just came out. It's on, it's on Showtime. If you have Showtime, you can get it. Maybe we get on, if you have Sling TV, but we get it, too. It's called Everything's Going to Be All White. And it's about... It's like four episodes, and it's a great documentary. They talk to all kinds of people about media, politics, everything about how it's very white-leaning and how it just always has been. And so things you and I talked about tonight, how it's just matter-of-fact. And so mm-hmm. people go with what's matter-of-fact. So you mean just, again, we're being indoctrinated. I mean, it's like there's certain things that just, you just, it's, that's all of us. I mean, I've reacted to certain things going, wait a minute, how, why do I react to that that way? Like, oh. I was raised just like you guys. Because I keep telling you, our generations are different than the ones now. There's much more access, much more truth telling that's happening now than in the 70s and in the 80s and even part of the 90s. I mean, like, I used to watch wrestling. It was, if you look at it, you couldn't, you couldn't do what you did in the 80s and 90s in wrestling today. It would be considered so offensive. People would be, people would be up in arms with the costumes and, but it was wrestling. It just was. It was wrestling. It was just like some 
crazy, whatever it was, but there was, there was a lot of cultural stuff in those things. Um, but that's the point. When we were younger, we had less choice. And, there were, and white folks were running things back then, and it's what they thought they saw. And it's how they saw us. I was watching, and there's one thing they were talking about. Um, it's really funny to veer off too much. It was really funny. There's a famous Vogue cover, and I remember it, with LeBron James and a model, a white model. And they kept saying it looked just like King Kong and Fay Ray. The way they had him positioned, the way he was holding her, the way she's kind of like, it was this whole thing. And I saw what he said, I saw it immediately. Uh, O.J. Simpson, no matter what you think about him, if you think he did it or not, that's all the story, that's all the show. But they darkened his skin color to cover a Time magazine to make him look more menacing. And some of you guys in, in here were talking about being darker skin. That darker skin is bad, lighter skin's good. You know, that's, that's a, there's a movie that's happened recently called Passing. I don't know if anybody who's not seen that, it's really good. Um, half my family went through it, so I know how it is. And I mentioned Loving versus Virginia. That was just my lifetime ago when you could not be married if you were different races. It wasn't 200 years ago. It wasn't, we're talking my lifetime. It happened the year I was born. This is crazy. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, this is like, you know, this is stuff that we didn't have choice back then when I was younger. Those Warner Brothers cartoons, also, it's always racist and homophobic and transphobic. I thought it was funny as a kid. Daffy Duck and Bill and Elmer Fudd. Your 70 Sam. I, mean, I can't watch I can't watch that shit anymore. I tried watching it recently. I was like, oh my God. I mean, I was like covering my eyes. Well, all these uh pop culture and entertainment and all these these things that you bring up, you know, at the beginning of our of the of our conversation this evening, you know, we, we were talking about, <clears throat> you know, why. <laughs> Like we were talking about blackface and Megan Kelly and like why my friends, you know, uh, couldn't just go, oh yeah, wearing, you know, white dudes wearing black dread caps in a reggae band, eh, probably not a good idea. Like why, why are people hanging on to these things? Right. It's because of, it was, you know, I'm very interested to see this show. Everything is going to well, be all like white. It, like like that's what like it, it is. Yeah, like it. And so here we are, I don't know how long it's been, you know, a good 10, 15, 20 years now we're, People are starting to like, you know, yeah. you, me, like other people are starting. And we can't undo hundreds of years of racism in like one, you know, 90 minute YouTube right, right, conversation, yes. right? We can't. So, so, pe so people are, you know, we get attached to these, these childhood memories, these icons, you see like, oh, what's wrong with Elmer Fudd? Oh, what's wrong with this? It's like, exactly. Well, a lot actually and <laughs> yes. the fact that we're talking about it is uncomfortable to you and we're in you're defending it but why yeah and so i think you know people say like oh just do conversations actually move the needle like heck yeah they do yeah. like yeah. when you start having these conversations people start to be thinking differently generations you know younger generations come up then in 10 15 20 30 40 50 years we have new opinions we have new norms we have new understandings of what's okay etc so this is all part of the work i agree and i would say yes wrestling is is phony as you put it it's it's predetermined <laughs> we call it now but i feel like quickly is what you can say though representation still matters and and trauma and hurt from that can still trigger somebody and they say so the same people you have folks who will say the same thing about 
why is it not the Washington Redskins anymore? There's a whole, there's a whole thing. That's another story too. Let's get to another time. But that's very much, I know you're being funny leopardist, but I'm just saying that it's, it's like, it's, but still it can really trigger folks who are, are Indian or indigenous, we call them indigenous now, or black folks or Arab. And they see this image that, yes, we know it's all being determined as bad guys, good guys. But when you, all you see the villain is Arab. That's all you see. I was, I remember, I just, Margaret Cho, it was just so funny. She was like, I did a show, I had an Asian family show, All American Girl, in 1994. Another Asian show didn't come till a few years ago, fresh off the boat. Halle Berry was the last Black person to win, and only a Black person to win, Best Actress in the Oscars. My friend James Reynolds is one of four men of color who have won Best Actor for a Daytime Emmy in the 60-year history of the medium. And no Black women have ever won Best Actress in Daytime Emmy. These are things we got, and then let alone any Asian or particular Islander or anything else. So those, that's, what we have to, that's what we have to talk about this. We have to talk about this. Well, yeah, okay, so again, we're going back in time, Leopardess. Eddie Murphy, um, Billy Crystal, all doing the, 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 the Jew face stuff and all that stuff. That's, that was, that's, again, that was something they were doing back in that time period. Now they couldn't do it now, but back then they were doing it. And so again, if someone was Jewish and got upset by Eddie Murphy, I totally was, I wouldn't fight him on it. Or got mad at Billy Crystal doing Sammy Davis Jr., I would not be mad at it either. I'd be like, I totally, if it triggers somebody, I totally get it. Yeah. You know, just well, or, like, yeah. I mean, Dave Chappelle, that's a whole Dave other, uh, that's, that's a whole other conversation yes. for the next episode. Yes. Yes. But I mean, I mean, you bring up Eddie Murphy, and I know we're kind of, I got to, I got to clock out pretty Yeah, we got to go. Great. I'm gonna, yeah, um, gonna end. Yes. But, you yeah. know, I remember being 10 years old watching Delirious, which, I mean, it's, that's just absurd. That yeah, I know. We were, we're, we're, we're doing time here. We were doing stuff like that back then. Right. Yeah. And I mean, my, fa- my friend and I, the same friend who I'm no longer friends with any, anymore, yeah. we would do the bit where he does the whole thing like, oh, gay men are the best friends to have because, you know, he does the whole, Mr. Johnson, you have AIDS. Yes. So if you're not familiar with that skit, you know, Google it, you'll find it. You'll find it. And and you Google it with my name too, and you'll see an article I wrote about 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me check that out. Let me check that out. I didn't know that. Okay. So here I am, you know, I'm 10. Well, I probably wasn't 10 when I was, but I was like 12, 13, you know, doing the ha ha ha, you know, AIDS. And then the year later, my dad tells me he's gay. That's right. 15 years later, you know, he dies of AIDS. Yes. So it's like sometimes we can. I mean, how, how would we ever, you know, you can't predict the future, know, but yeah. like when we're, we're not aware of the harm we're causing. No, we're not. To ourselves, to our loved ones, to, to, to the communities we, we live in, our, our colleagues, and we don't know. So it's like this whole going back to that thing with my band, like, oh, it's just fun. Like, why are you trying to take away our fun? Like, well, maybe that's not the most important right. thing right now. Isn't the fun part playing? <laughs> to me it's like isn't playing the music the fun part that's that's my that's what i'm thinking yeah you on stage that's the fun part but anyway a white guy confronting racism that's homeboy right there jerry carroll he's doing it. he's inviting you folks to read come on let's do this let's 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 again reflect and act on this the conversation will continue i'm going to book another time with them when we get off the when we get off this is the air um black talk continues this friday it's the ladies again 8 p.m pacific standard time we're talking um, relationships, black women and white men, black men and white women. We're going to get into it. It's going to be a very interesting conversation, and I'm going to let these let me let these ladies talk. I want the, I want them I want them to tell us how they feel 
about these situations. And that's here, Extra Connections, Black Talk at 8 p.m. this Friday, Pacific Standard Time. It'll be a good time. Uh, Jerry Carroll's book, you can get it anywhere, right? We get books? Yep. You can go to a white guy confronting racism.com. There are all kinds of links to black owned bookstores, or you can just go to Amazon, search it, and you can find it there. Yeah, pretty, pretty much anywhere online you can find it. Very good. And I'm James Lodge Jr. You can follow me all James Lodge Jr. are at James Lodge Jr. All social media platforms. This is JLJ Media, my online network. I'm one of the few black men who has his own online network. So support me. Subscribe. Be kind. Rewind. Whatever. Do it all. Um, and continue the conversations. If you, if, you, if you are watching this and or listening to this later, feel free to give us your thoughts. I want to I hear them. And I'll read, maybe I'll read some out loud next time. I'll read, I'll read some of your thoughts on, on this on loud. But everybody in the chat room, thank you so much for the conversations in here. And thank you for saying it's a great show. Thank you. I mean, we, we love doing this. And, and Daryl and I, we're friends. We're brothers of another mothers or something. Something's going on there. Uh, we're here, but we'll be back again. So we'll see you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.